What's going on, fantasy baseball lovers? Thank you so much for being here with us on this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today, which is brought to you by Sports Ethos. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You get links to my shows as soon as they go out, as well as other fantasy-related stuff throughout the day. Some threads I post every day. Some of them go out weekly. Go ahead, hit the follow button there, and you get to see exactly what I have to offer you over there. Also, hit the five-star review button if you would be so kind on whatever app you're using to listen to this, whether it be Spotify or Apple or, or Google, whatever it is you guys are using. We'd really appreciate a positive review. It would help us to move up in search results here. We're still in our infant phase here. We're, we're moving into the toddler phase, I think, but we are still in the early going, so we'd really love any support you guys would be able to give us with a really easy way to help out the show is to leave a five-star review, so that would be much obliged. We will start off our show by looking back at some of the better performances from yesterday. And yesterday's show title was Ace Day. There was a lot of aces going across Major League Baseball, and I think it only makes sense that we're going to look back and see how some of them did yesterday. So the first couple of aces that we had going were Max Fried and Corbin Burns. We had, I believe it was a 1 o'clock start time for the Braves and the Brewers, and it was a 7-6 Brewers win in extra innings. So Freed and Burns were maybe not quite as sharp as we would have wanted yesterday. Freed went six innings, giving up six hits, three earned runs, and giving up seven base hits. Uh, a little bit much for him, but he did give up nine the last time out, so it's a little concerning a couple starts in a row that he's been hit around a little bit. A uh, couple of tough teams, San Diego and Milwaukee, but uh, a little concerning there. Obviously, Max Freed, I was going on about him yesterday. I love Max Freed. I think he's totally going to be fine. Uh, I'm not concerned about this outing, but... Definitely not what you would have wanted to see. You would have wanted to see him a little bit more. It's nice to see him go six innings and strike out six, uh, but seven hits and two walks uh, is, a, is a little bit on the higher end of acceptable for a guy like Max Fried. So we'll have to see uh, what he can do next time out. I think he gets the Phillies in his next game. Corbin Burns uh, was even less so impressive, I would say, over his six innings, giving up four earned runs, striking out seven, and hitting two batters. Only striking out five for Corbin, which is obviously a huge trademark of his, is the massive strikeout numbers. But only five, and the last couple outings, he's failed to reach double-digit strikeouts uh, in any of his last three outings, after the previous three before that being 10, 11, and 10. Corbin Burns' main category, you could argue, is his strikeouts. Uh, Yeah, he keeps batters off base, and he keeps runners from touching home plate a lot of the time. So it's hard to say what is his main category. He helps you so much in ERA and WHIP. But the strikeouts, it's hard to say that it's not his main contribution. So you'd like to see a lot more than five strikeouts out of him. It wasn't a terrible outing by any means. It was the most earned runs he's given up to this point on the season. And it only boosted his ERA to 2.26, just to put into proper context how well he has done this year. So it's not a worrisome thing for me, really. Uh, You'd like to see him have more strikeouts, and hopefully we'll see that next time out. I believe he'll get the Padres in San Diego next Tuesday. You'd like to see a little bit more, right? Uh, not that it's bad or anything, but if you, you use your first-round pick on him, on Corbin Burns, uh, he wasn't falling into second rounds, not in any drafts I did anyway. You're expecting a touch more, and I know uh, I'm being a little bit greedy because of how good he has been on the season. Not every start is going to be fantastic, and it was a bit of a down outing for him. So not a huge deal, but uh, something I'm going to keep an eye on, so that strikeout number for Burns. I don't think it's a big worry, but I'm going to be keeping an eye on it. We move into the 4 o'clock slate, and we had really a fantastic outing, a huge surprise here from Nick Pavetta. A complete game against Houston after giving up a leadoff home run to Jose Altuve. 
He went the rest of the game only giving up one hit, striking out eight, and really just a dominant performance here from Pavetta. I don't think we're going to be seeing too many games like this going forward, but each of his last three outings have been fantastic against Houston, Texas, and Chicago. Before that, it's a little bit of a bumpy road. If you keep looking back further and further in the season, he had a rough start. These last three outings have been really fantastic. Now, am I, am I sold on Nick Pavetta? Do I think this is who he is? No. Uh, we, we know pretty much who he is, and this is maybe we'll see a bit of an improvement for him this year. He's still fairly young, but I wouldn't be chasing this start again. Uh, I don't think we're going to be seeing this, and, and uh, maybe I'm wrong, but this kind of start screams outlier. Um, eight strikeouts is ties his season high. Um, 112 pitches is by far a season high. Didn't walk any batters. He's typically walking at least one or two guys. So I think it's a bit of an outlier and obviously a great performance, but am I running to waiver wires now to pick up Nick Pavetta this morning? No. Uh, I think we have to wait and see and see if he can do this consistently before I'm willing to drop more of an established guy for him. So a nice start, fantastic start. But as of right now, I'm not going to be too interested uh, in picking him up. Zach Wheeler also went in the 4 o'clock slate there. He went up against San Diego, and he went seven innings, striking out nine, giving up four hits. Really great stuff out of Wheeler. He has struggled a couple of times this season, mainly early on against Miami and Milwaukee, but he seems to have really calmed himself down these last few outings. Uh, Over his last four starts, three of them have been zero earned runs. So you take the positives uh, along with, the early season negatives, but uh, overall, I'm very happy with what he's been able to give us. The ERA sits at 3.49. I would expect it to keep going down. And the strikeouts per nine innings only sits at 9.54. I would expect that to keep going up. As the season goes on, I don't see any problem uh, with expecting that. Jordan Lyles had a surprisingly very good start here against the Yankees. And, you know, I've seen his name quite a bit in terms of the last couple weeks in terms of people who a lot of questions, really. People don't really know what to do with him because he has had a couple of really good starts. He had a really good start against Kansas City. He had an all right start against Boston, a pretty solid start against Boston where he got the win. And then he had this really solid start against the Yankees. So he went seven innings, five hits, two earned runs. He struck out a season-high eight batters and threw a season-high 106 pitches. Am I adding Jordan Lyles? No. Uh, He's definitely not – well – between him and Pavetta, I'd prefer Pavetta. But if you just dig into Lyles' numbers here, he gives up quite a bit of hard contact. He doesn't strike out that many people, really. Um, 20% strikeout rate is all right. It's not bad, but it's not it's not great. Um, he's just not going to be someone who can give you a lot of contributions. He's not going to strike out a ton. He's not going to win a lot of games playing for the Orioles. And he, he gives up quite a bit of hard contact. So it's, it's really hard for me to sit there, even after a good start against the Yankees, and say, yeah, you should be adding him. I don't believe that we're going to see uh, repeat performances like this. And s- same with Pavetta. You know, I think it's, a, it's an outlier a little bit. And we've seen a couple of them from both of these guys. So it makes you, makes you think maybe they have a little bit more in them. But as of right now, I can't justify making an ad off the waiver wire for these guys. And in very deep leagues, perhaps, if you're in, like, for Pavetta, I'd say you got to be like 15 and deeper, then I would be all right with him. Uh, anything like 14 team and shallower, I think there's probably going to be better options out there. Now, different leagues operate differently, different levels of competitiveness, so it might vary a little bit. But overall, I think that's generally where I'm going to be saying, honestly, for both of them, 15 team and deeper, I would be all right with that. Uh, and AL only, obviously, I'd be all right with that. 
But if you're in deeper leagues or mixed leagues or shallower leagues or mixed leagues, then I don't think you can really justify uh, adding either of those guys. Garrett Cole, who was Lyles' counterpart yesterday, he went seven innings. He struck out five. Really good outing from him. Uh, he got the victory. You'd like to see a few more strikeouts, similar to Corbin Burns. You'd like to see him get a, l- a few more. Um, but overall, you're pretty happy with Garrett Cole. Uh, our buddy Rob Silver said the other day on Twitter that he thought uh, it's pretty much not even a debate that he would say Garrett Cole is the best pitcher in baseball. I, I think it's kind of hard to really say at this point. Do you put DeGrom in the conversation? Is DeGrom... Um, because when he's pitching, the last we've seen him pitch, I don't think there's any argument that he was the best pitcher in baseball. One of the more dominant stretches of, of season you we've seen last year, and even after he missed so much time, you could still see his name on the rankings, even by the end of the year. I forget where he ended up in the rankings, but for someone who played half a season, the, the contributions he was able to give you, uh, not even just on a fantasy side, I think we're talking real uh, real-life pitchers, who is the best pitcher in baseball. Cole is on a short list. Corbin Burns is on a short list. DeGrom, Scherzer, and Max Scherzer we'll get to in a second. He left with an injury yesterday. They're all on short lists. I think I would probably say Corbin Burns would be my choice if I had to pick a number one. But it's hard to go against DeGrom. On the, on the other side of that, DeGrom is not pitching right now, so it's, it's really a tough question. And why don't I just leave it to you guys? If you guys uh, want to reply on Twitter or in uh, certain discords that I'm in, go ahead and uh, we'll start a discussion there about who you guys think is the best pitcher in baseball. I think probably I would say Corbin Burns, but it, it is definitely subjective. Uh, I don't think there's one clear answer. Obviously, teams are going to favor their favorite pitchers, and you know there are certain guys you're not going to like. I'm not a huge Garrett Cole fan. Uh, being a Jays fan, we're more rivals. But I definitely can respect how fantastic he is and how he's adapted post-sticky stuff. Uh, He struggled a little bit after the sticky stuff, but he's figured out a way to adapt without it. Um, You got to give him credit. You got to give Garrett Cole credit. He's definitely one of the better pitchers in in all of Major League Baseball. Um, And honestly, you could make an argument that he's number one. Uh, I'll leave it to you guys if you want to reply on Twitter or wherever. Curious to know what you guys think on that. Let's talk about Max Scherzer. He left with a strain. Uh, It was in his left side, and he signaled right away to the bench that he needed to leave after throwing. I believe it was a slider, Uh, and he left right away. They don't think it's too major. We'll have to see, really, if he's going to go on the injured list. I don't think he's going to go on the injured list. Uh, He's due to have an MRI today. Scherzer himself said he doesn't think it's too serious. He said, I don't think it's a major strain. So... Maybe we'll see him avoid the injured list. <clears throat> that would be very nice if we just maybe miss one start from him. Maybe he won't miss a start. It's uh, it's hard to say. Uh, he's not exactly a spring chicken anymore. So the older you are, the harder it gets to come back from these little things. Uh, hard to say, really. We'll have to just kind of wait for some more. Let's talk about a couple more pitchers here. So someone I talked about at length uh, on the show, I've talked about him at length on the show many times, and also on Twitter, is Josiah Gray and how he has really struggled uh, with keeping batters off base, specifically by the free pass. He walks quite a few guys. Last night, he went six innings and didn't didn't walk anybody. So maybe Josiah was listening to the show. I really doubt it. But maybe, uh, I don't know, he's probably just been told by the pitching staff, and they've probably worked with him quite a bit on this, on his location, 
and try not to be so wild. And yesterday was a good indication of what he can do if he keeps the control in check. Six innings, six hits, three earned runs. He struck out seven. He did hit a batter, so he did still, in a way, give a free pass. But we will absolutely take one hit by pitch over what is typically two or three walks out of him. So that was really promising. I don't know how valuable he's going to be in standard leagues this year, in uh, in your standard mixed league anyway. I don't know um, that w- – I mean, this is one game, right? He's still going to walk batters. I don't know that you can say that this is corrected after one game. Maybe it is. I really doubt it. I think this is more of a, an outlier. He's going to walk quite a few guys. He gives up quite a bit of hard contact, and he plays for the Nationals, who are not going to win a ton of games this year. So is he – is he an option? Yeah, but is he the best option you can find on waiver wires? Probably not. It, I mean, a lot of it depends on your league size and your format. If your league has, if you're in a points league and you're talking about a serious negative hit for walks, like a lot of points leagues, you're looking at maybe a minus one or minus point something for walks. If it's like a minus two or something or plus, that it's going to be kind of hard there in a points format. Um, and in, even in category formats, if you're looking at the stats that the pitcher can control, starting pitchers anyway, so everything minus saves. Uh, wins, there's not going to be a ton of stuff going on there. Strikeouts, yes. He's going to help you in strikeouts. Uh, and ERA and whip, he's really probably not going to help you a lot of the time. So he's pretty much a one-category guy for me in terms of strikeouts. If he can get the control in check, then I think he's a very interesting option. As of right now, uh, I'm, I'm okay not, not jumping on him in standard leagues. And people may think I'm crazy, but overall, I think that that's probably pretty wise. Prospect-wise, I think he's fantastic. For the next couple of seasons, uh, it might take a little bit of ironing out some things, but he will be one of the elite pitchers in baseball by, I'd say, by 2025 uh, at the late, maybe even 2024. He'll be an elite starting pitcher. And sometimes these timelines are completely impossible to, to guess but within the next two or three years I see him being an elite starting pitcher in this league if we go into more of the evening slate not really as many impressive pitching lines uh, as there were earlier in the day we had a nice outing from Shohei Otani nothing crazy he went six innings six hits uh, two earned runs he walked two and struck out seven uh, and he got a no decision so totally fine outing from Otani there I mean Otani is just ridiculous right Anything that he gives you on the hill is kind of just an added bonus to that bat. And, I mean, you could look at it either way. Anything he gives you with the bat is an extra bonus to the batting or vice versa. So I like the contributions on the hill, not maybe as much as the contributions at the plate because he does give you those every single day. But if you drafted the Otani pitcher version, and I've mentioned this a couple times, uh, on, maybe some of you guys are just strictly Yahoo guys, or sorry, just strictly ESPN guys, and are not familiar with other formats. So on ESPN, he's one guy, and you're probably thinking, what the hell is this guy going on about? He's just one player on ESPN for the pitcher and for the batter. On Yahoo, you need to draft two separate players for Otani. You need to draft pitcher Otani and batter Otani. And it will take up two slots on your team as opposed to one, and it makes him a little bit less attractive to roster there. I mean, the batter Otani is still elite, and they're, they're both elite, let's be honest here. Uh, but there's just such an advantage in ESPN formats to being able to have both of them. So if you do have him in ESPN, he was pretty clearly the number one overall pick. <laughs> there's really hard to find anybody who's going to be more valuable in an ESPN format. Uh, it, it's it's impossible, really. Barring injury or barring the Angels saying he's not pitching or whatever, which I really doubt, uh, he's far and away the best ESPN fantasy baseball player. 
on Yahoo, he's still like a top 10 player for the batter and like top 60, 70 for the pitcher. So outrageous value, even though he was, he was pretty good last night. Nothing crazy. Uh, no decision, mediocre against the Rangers. Nothing really to write home about. But I think a lot of the time we just forget, and maybe the media doesn't forget, but a lot of the time we'll just be saying, oh, yeah, Otani had a pretty good game. Uh, he had a double and he struck out seven or whatever. And I don't think we really, truly, as baseball fans, appreciate uh, how great he really is. And I see the odd bit of slander on Twitter towards Babe Ruth, and I don't really understand it. Uh, I think it's Razball. One of the, one of those Twitter accounts, um, they're constantly comparing Otani to Ruth and essentially shitting on Babe Ruth. And I love Otani, but I don't see any need to shit on Babe Ruth. I mean... Yeah, he played in a different era, and maybe you can't compare people directly from different eras. I mean, it's the whole Jordan, uh, Jordan LeBron kind of debate here. Can you compare people who played at different times, different skill sets, blah blah blah? With Babe Ruth and Otani, it's a common comparison that is made, but I don't know that it really should be. Like Ruth, I, I just don't, I don't, I just find it laughable to that someone that they like to make fun of Babe Ruth essentially, like. I think they need to go back and look at the numbers. Yes, it was a different time. Yes, he's playing against players who are not at their peak physical condition. But for the time, he was as good as it got. So it's kind of hard for me to to rag on him. Uh, I've always really loved Babe Ruth. My dad was a huge Babe Ruth fan. So it's always uh, always a little bit weird for me to see slander towards him on the Internet. There's a lot of people you could slander out there. Uh, I don't know that Babe Ruth necessarily needs to be one of them. <laughs> so uh, a little bit curious. I see it quite often, honestly, people comparing Otani and Ruth and saying Otani would have kicked Ruth's ass and all this stuff. It's like maybe he would have, but, you know, um, the players in today's NBA would have kicked the asses of players in the 60s NBA. And the same with pretty much every sport, hockey, football, whatever it may be. It's very hard to compare eras, and I would advise you guys, uh, would caution you guys when you're comparing players from different eras, that you really can't do it with any degree of accuracy. There is a lot, uh, there's a lot of variables. There is differences in training. There's differences in coaching. Players used to smoke back in the day. They used to go after they're at bat or whatever. They'd go to the dugout. They'd fire up a dart. So I mean, how can you really compare that to what's going on now? when everybody is constantly, I mean, they still chew tobacco in the dugout. I don't think they're allowed to, but it's pretty clear that it happens still. So there's still some of that, but it's, I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as these guys who back in the day smoked several packs of cigarettes. If any of you are hockey fans out there, Guy Lafleur, who just recently passed away, he was a great Montreal Canadian hockey player. He smoked two or three packs of smokes a day, and he was probably the fastest player on the ice. So <laughs> it's pretty hard to say what he would have been without smoking. It's hard to compare eras, pretty much is the major point I'm trying to make here. When you're looking to compare eras, uh, it's not really going to make sense in any sport, but in baseball specifically, with the amount of changes that there have been over the years, it's really hard for me to say, yeah, um, you can accurately say Otani is better than Ruth. And he probably is, but, I mean, it just seems so outrageous to go out there and say, he, like, it's Babe Ruth. I don't. I just don't get why there is. I don't know. You guys do your own researches. If you think I'm crazy, go out and look. Babe Ruth versus Otani, and there is a lot of Otani homers who exist in today's baseball. And I love Otani. I started this whole thing with I love Otani. I think he's fantastic. He's the best fantasy player in the world, probably, uh, especially on ESPN. But I don't think that praising him means we need to slander Babe Ruth in the process. So. 
If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, just go look on Twitter. Look at I think it's Razball's Twitter account. They they really like to take shots at Babe Ruth, um, and it's not just them. A lot of people do it. So go ahead and take a look uh, if you don't know what I mean. I don't really like it, but uh, it's just way, the way it is, I guess. Right? People like to people obviously favor players that they got to see as opposed to players that they didn't. So I think there's a there's a good portion of that uh, involved there. Spent a lot of time there. Spent a lot of time on pitchers from yesterday. Let's look at some of the major batter performances, uh, major hitter performances yesterday. I know I, I completely bungled that phrasing there, but let's take a look at some of the more impressive position players from yesterday. I think there we go. Jared Walsh probably is uh, my most impressive guy from yesterday. He hit a couple of home runs. He drove in three. He also drew a walk. 33 points on Yahoo Fantasy. Really nice stuff out of him there. And, you know, this Angels lineup is really, really dangerous. I know they just got swept by Texas, uh, which is really rough, actually. Um, you don't you don't expect that. <laughs> you just don't expect that. Uh, but Jared Walsh and the rest of those guys, we just talked about Otani, Trout, Walsh, Marsh, Ward. Uh, they are a fantastic, fantastic team. And I think they're going to make the playoffs, personally. And I think Jared Walsh, he will need to maybe do a little bit more than he's done to this point. Uh, batting 248 is a little bit lower than they would have hoped. I think he was closer to 300 last year. Not quite a 300, but closer to it. They need him to perform uh, similar to what he did last year for them to avoid losing these series because a sweep at the hands of the Rangers for them, a division rival, that's really not ideal. So, yeah, great uh, great performance out of Walsh. From, from As a whole, we need to see a little bit more uh, from the Angels here, getting swept at the hands of the Rangers not ideal by any stretch of the imagination. Let's go on to Jazz Chisholm, who really is just remarkable. Uh, any kind of format that you have him in, he is really, truly fantastic. Uh, yesterday, his official line, he was two for two with a walk and a hit by a pitch. He tripled and homered. He had a couple of runs and a couple RBIs. He is, he's fantastic. There's not really much else you can say other than He's probably on his way to, at very least, like a 2020 season. That's uh, the absolute floor is 2020. And then 25, 25, 30, 30 is in the cards for him. Uh, I didn't expect him to be this good last year. I mean, he was definitely a very solid fantasy player last year. But I don't think uh, – some people in the industry were expecting this kind of thing. But this kind of jump is really incredible to have seen from him. Batting over 300, showing a lot of power, uh, mixed with the speed. And, yeah, he had a little bit of that last year, but he's just really elevated his game uh, a whole other level this year. So Jazz Chisholm is rest of season, probably going to be a first-round talent, probably going to have top 12 kind of value. We're continuing to see quite a few home runs being hit across Major League Baseball. Pete Alonso, Cole Calhoun, Ty France, MJ Melendez, um, Reese Hoskins, Nolan Arenado, Justin Turner, Ian Happ. We saw quite a few home runs again yesterday. And I, I, Mike Trout, I'm not even going to name all of them because there's quite a few of them. I think uh, I think whatever happened with the balls, we touched on this yesterday, I think the league is going to start to make some corrections in terms of uh, what the hell the baseball is. Or maybe it's humidors. A lot of people have talked about there's humidor stuff going on in these stadiums that are knocking balls down. Who the hell knows at the end of the day? All I know is that we started to see some more offense, and I know my pitching ERA has definitely struggled uh, this week, and even going back to last week a little bit in my category leagues. So I take that as a positive sign for the fantasy world, for the baseball world in general, uh, that we're starting to see some more offense. So 
I will happily take a couple of weeks of getting batted around in terms of my uh, ERA and WHIP categories. In terms of all my pitching categories, really, I'll happily trade that in exchange for more offense across Major League Baseball. I'm I'm a fan of of pitchers duels and low scoring games, but I know that in general most fans go to the ballpark not to see um, six hits in total in a two one ball game. They want to they've taken their kids to the game. They want to see a lot more offense. So. I think we're starting to see that, and I think we'll hopefully continue to see that as the year goes on. Let's take a look at some of today's games, and we only have eight of them, so it's not a lot we're going to have to go over. And I also, I've had some questions today about streaming on Twitter. Honestly, I would probably advise you guys to save your moves today, because there's not a ton of great options for streaming. Marcus Stroman is someone I've had a couple of questions about, and he's okay. Uh, the numbers, if you just look at the StatCast numbers, they're really ugly. He's really regressed from what he was, and even though it's a great matchup against Arizona, I'm not going to be jumping to add Stroman really anywhere. Uh, Vince Velasquez is someone I talked about on Twitter. The ERA is bad, um, and the expected ERA is actually worse. And uh, pretty much every metric that you go into with Velasquez – it just makes you think less of his pitching ability. So, no, I'm not adding him here, despite, yeah, another kind of nice matchup against the Royals. Uh, I'm not going to be doing it. Cal Quantrill is an interesting one, and I think that he's probably going to be all right um, to use. I don't love him, and that's the thing. <clears throat> I don't love anybody that's going today, really, uh, in terms of guys that are widely available. So... For the most part, I'm going to be staying away from streaming. I mean, if there's going to be someone I'm going to want to use, it's going to be Quantrill. But I'm not I'm not really in a rush to use my ads for today. I'd much rather save them for the weekend. Um, even if you're just looking at towards, uh, tomorrow, Hyunjin Ryu is going to be available in quite a few leagues, and he'll have a nice matchup against Cincinnati. Uh, he's the first one that comes to mind for sure. And... Honestly, there's not a, really a ton going on tomorrow for streaming either. Um, it's kind of a tough couple of days in terms of there's either A, a lot of guys who are already rostered starting, or B, just not viable options. So these next couple of days, I would advise you guys to save your ads for the weekend, hope for some better matchups there, and you also have a little bit more clarity as the closer uh, closer the weekend gets. You know what categories you need, how many points you're going to need, certain things like that become more clear as the weekend approaches. So I'm totally all right with holding off on the ads for the next couple of days uh, in terms of the pitchers. If there's a hot batter out there that you want to go and grab, whether it be a Cole Calhoun or an MJ Melendez, someone like that who's on a bit of a hot streak, there are some guys who just ride hot streaks. Uh, you know, you pick a guy up while he's hot and then you drop him and you just kind of go about the season like that. There are some guys like that who can be picked up in these next couple of days. Um, as of right now, for today and tomorrow, it's not a ton going on that really interests me too much. So I'm, I'm, for the most part, I'm going to be staying away from streaming for these next couple of days. And I say that, and I, I could change my mind tomorrow. And again, there's a lot of stuff that changes in baseball. There's rainouts. There's guys get on the IL. Things change, and starters change, and things happen. So... Maybe by tomorrow's show, I'll be singing a different tune about tomorrow's ads because, like I said, things change. As of right now, I'm probably going to be thinking uh, it's safer to save your ads. Now, I neglected to mention Rich Hill, who is kind of an interesting – he's an interesting option here. So despite the fact that he is 42 years old, he's actually been able to 
give you some decent value this season. Uh, the advanced stats are pretty good. Uh, and so uh, maybe I'll, I'll revise my point. I think Quantrill and Hill are okay streams today. Um, but I, I still don't know that he's really going to be worth it. Like Hill is a viable option in a lot of cases. But if you're going to think about, I'm going to use one of my ads heading into the weekend here. And of course, if you have unlimited ads, none of this really applies to you. This is more for people in leagues who have four or five ads. You kind of need to pick your smartest plays. And Rich Hill, the numbers have been pretty good, and the matchup is pretty good. And he's, he's probably going to be okay. Am I going to use one of my last ads of the week on him here? It, it, it's hard to say. I mean, part of me says yes. The numbers back up what he's been doing, and I think he can keep it up. Part of me says he's 42 years old. He's really due to get hit around. And this Seattle lineup can actually produce quite a few runs on the odd night. You know, it, they're not one of the better offenses, but they can definitely produce. So on the fence about Rich Hill a little bit, to be honest with you, I think he's viable, but I don't think he's a necessary ad. Uh, let's put it that way. I think he's fine, but if you miss out on him, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset about it. Let's talk about a couple more guys who've been added quite a bit. MJ Melendez has been added quite a bit, the catcher for the Royals. Uh, Sal Perez is on the injured list, so there's going to be no shortage of playing time for Melendez. He has hit home runs in each of his last two games, so he's showing you that power that he showed us in the minors last year. He had 41 home runs in the minor leagues last year. He's never been one to hit for a massively uh, high average, but it's not very standard of catchers to do that. So that's not something we can really hold against him. What we've seen so far is a lot of power potential and a solid spot in that lineup. So I'm all right with adding him if you need uh, if you need a catcher or if you need maybe a little bit of a boost from uh, a little bit of an offensive boost. If you need some home runs, then I'm all right with using him there. He's moved up from six and seven slot in the order to the five slot for today. So hopefully we'll continue to see him move up a little bit and be in that three to five range. I think if you're looking for a power boost or you're looking for a catcher, he's totally serviceable. Jordan Montgomery is someone who is mostly already added, which is why I didn't really talk about him in terms of streams for today. He's like rostered in over 60% of leagues, so a lot of the time he's not going to be available. He's put together a very strong start to the season, and I think he's a really good play today here against the Orioles. If he is available, then by all means, go ahead and add him. But in a lot of cases, I think he's already going to be scooped up, so that's why I didn't mention him earlier. Uh, Dakota Hudson, no, no, no. So he is a 306 ERA on the year, and he's won three games. If you just look at that and you ignore everything else, uh, you're probably going to be all right with, with taking him. When you start to dig in a little bit, his expected ERA is 5.44. So he's getting very lucky to this point, and he's also only striking out 13.5% of batters, which is very low. Uh, it's it's going to be a hard pass for me on Dakota Hudson against the Mets, He's just not somebody I think can have any kind of fantasy value this year or even going forward. I'm kind of skeptical on what he's going to be able to give you. Cole Calhoun is on a really hot streak, and he's one of those guys who I mentioned uh, earlier. There's some people who like to ride the hot hand, whether it be a Brandon Drury of a couple weeks ago or a Josh Naylor, Rowdy Telez. Some people will really like to use the waiver wire to their advantage and pick up hot players. So Cole Calhoun has hit four home runs over his last four games, and he's 6 for 12 in that span. He hits the ball very hard. He always has, and he's historically kind of a, a just a power kind of guy. So if you're looking for a bit of a power boost for the short term, 
then I think that he's an all right ad. Again, I wouldn't be dropping anybody too valuable for him. I had a question yesterday about should I drop Tyler O'Neill, and my answer to that is no. I think, yes, he has struggled. Yes, they've given him a couple of days off, but you can't be dropping somebody like that who you took in the third round at this point in the season. There's still four and a half months of baseball, 120-some-odd games. It's way too premature to be giving up on a player with that kind of talent. So you're not dropping someone like O'Neill for Calhoun, but you're going to be dropping maybe a guy back into your bench. Hard to think of an exact example. If you guys want to send in any questions through Twitter, I, of course we'll answer them as always. There are certain players I would drop for him. There's certain guys I wouldn't. So O'Neill is definitely one of those guys. Javi Baez, another guy who struggled. Don't be dropping those kind of guys for him. But if there's a guy at the lower end of your bench or a guy that you picked up earlier who has struggled now, maybe Jesus Sanchez, you've been waiting to move on from him, someone like that, then I'd be okay making the switch. Vince Velasquez, we touched on him a little bit. He is really not a viable option for me. The ERA is 5.53, and the expected ERA is 6.77. So he's actually getting a little bit lucky, and it's only resulting in a 5.53 ERA. He gives up a lot of hard contact and a lot of home runs. He's already given up six dingers to this point in the season. I'm going to be staying away from him here. I don't think that it makes much sense to stream him in today. Guys, that's going to do it for us. Uh, It is my mom's birthday today, so I'm going to spend some time with her. It won't be a terribly long show. So thank you guys for listening. I really hope you guys are following and subscribing on here and on Twitter. So I'll give you the Twitter one more time. It's at JoeOrico99. It's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You get the shows as soon as they go out, as well as other fantasy-related content. Some of it is daily. Some of it is weekly. Some of it is just random, no schedule. So go ahead, hit the follow button there. Also, subscribe to the show and hit the five-star review button. We'd really appreciate you guys doing both of those things. Helps us to move up search results, and it also helps us to increase our download numbers. It's really nice to see uh, when we hit a high, a nice high download number for the day. And you guys, some days you're not going to be able to listen to the show. I totally get it. Some days you're busy. Uh, we hope even on those days you're still subscribing and downloading the show. Show some support for, for me, for the show, and for Sports Ethos as well. So, guys, that will do it. We will see you back here tomorrow wrap up the week with a Friday edition. So hope to see you then, and I hope everybody has a great day today.